We didn't invent it. Therefore, we can't destroy it. Um, We didn't pay for it. Therefore, we don't own it. We didn't imagine it. Therefore, it is unimaginable when I think about living life without it. It's not perfect by any means, but it is a part of God's perfect plan. This that I speak of is the church. It's probably not what you would think is the most unromantic thing. In fact, when I talk about living with it, it's unimaginable. It's probably not one of those things you'd put on your I can't live without list uh, kind of things. But hopefully today we'll elevate it a little bit to help you understand, to bring it into an eternal perspective and to a here and now perspective to see that this is a part of God's perfect plan. That this does fit together and that some people would say, why bother with the church when I would say that in reality, the church completes you. It's a part of God's perfect plan of putting your life and holding your life together in the crazy, chaotic world in which we live. The church has a valuable part to play in completing the story that God is writing of your life. When I think about the things in my life in a crazy world that we live in, that I would say I cannot live without these elements. If I was to put them on a list, I would list these three things as the most vital parts of my faith journey uh, of my life for the past years of my life and living it out for Christ. One would be the Holy Spirit. I've lived with Him, I've lived without Him, and I want to live with Him. I've listened to his voice. I have ignored his voice and promise you this. Every time I ignore his voice, I regret it dearly and want to come back to it as quickly as I can. It may take me months and years. It may take me weeks. It may take me days and hours. But I want to come back to living in alignment with him. He is, as Jesus called it, our counselor. He is our guide. He is the one who shows us when we're on the right path or gets us on the right path and shows us when we're not on the right path. Holy Spirit, absolutely. You have the Holy Spirit through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know Christ. You've become a child of God. As a child of God, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. The second thing that I cannot live without is my Bible. Now, I'm trying to memorize as much as I can. I'm trying to recall as much as I can and know as much as I can, but I still cannot live without this. I don't know it all. I need to know more of it. It is priceless to me. Now, I know it's old. I know people have criticized it and questioned it. I know that some people have ignored it. And and dust on the Bible typically means drought in the heart. And so I don't want to drought in my heart. And so, therefore, I don't want dust to gather on my Bible. I want to be in it. I want to read it daily. I want to be, to be a part of my life. I realize the value of, of God's Word. In fact, even Jesus said when he was praying that Lord's Prayer for his disciples, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Thy Word is truth. The Word of God being absolutely priceless and irreplaceable in the economy of life. But the third thing, again, would probably not make your list of absolutely got to haves, but it is a part of that trifecta, and that is the church. The church is a part of God's perfect trifecta that makes up life, that gives sense to life, that leads us through life. It's that community of God. It's that family, that faith that fits us all together. God made us for community. Even in a perfect world, think about Adam and Eve Eve living in a garden in a perfect world where sin did not exist. He still looked at Adam. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. 
Even the Godhead is a community unto itself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are made in the image of God, and the image of God bears a community. Therefore, don't be the person who thinks you can do it alone, go it alone, make it alone, you're a self-made man or woman, because you can't, you will fall, you will fail. You need community. I need community. This community is more than just a a group of us hanging out together. It is more better to be known as a family. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 10, it says, let us do good to everyone. That's just a good phrase to to hang hang your hat on. But then he goes, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, God in all of his infinite wisdom could have made us individuals unto ourselves. Maybe you've heard this, that we, we grow up through life. We grow up, and first of all, we're born dependent. And we teach our children to put their shoes on by themselves, pack their own lunches, get their homework done on their own. We teach them independence. I don't know that we do well of teaching them interdependence. Because that's when you've really reached maturity. Not when you're independent, not when you can stand on your own, but whenever you become interdependent and you realize the value of community. See, the reality is this, is that God made us for community. Just face that music. But on top of that, he made a community for us. We call it the church. Again, not exactly our invention. We didn't dream this up on our own. It was God's exit strategy. You remember three messages back when we talked about this. But this is what we are made for. And he then made the community for us. It's called the church. Rick Warren said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, a must read by everyone, said the Bible says that we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, and held together, and we will be caught up together. Now, what is this community that we call a church, that we call a faith family? What does that, what does that look like whenever you kind of dive into it? Well, when we were getting into the social media as a church and we opened up our Facebook page for the church, of course, you have these little processes you go through when you open up a Facebook account. And, and as opening it up, I thought, what, how would you describe who we are? So I began to work on that and pray through that. And it's, it's not that profound, but I hope that it will be something that today will lodge itself into your heart and you'll say, okay, I want that. I see the value of that. I can, I can identify with that. This is the way I've described this on Facebook. We are a community of seekers, explorers, and believers. Now, which bucket are you in? Are you a seeker? Are you a person who just happened to be here today, happen to be here during this season. You're looking for answers. You're looking at all the faiths of the world for answers. You're not exclusively Christ, exclusively Christianity. You're just in a process, in a phase of your life where you're seeking truth. But others of you are explorers. I mean, you are all in. You are into the faith. You have zeroed in like a laser. You know who your true north is, and you are charging ahead towards Christ. And then there are others who are believers, who are in this room, hopefully, many of you in this room, hopefully fall into that last camp, but maybe not, because we are a community of seekers as well and explorers as well, on an expedition to the heart of God, 
to the very heart of God. Hopefully we'll all get there. Hopefully we'll not leave anybody behind. And that is part of the beauty of community is that hopefully no one is left behind. Hopefully as we journey forward. Take your Bibles. We're finding the book of Acts chapter 2. This is uh, where we have been in, in the past couple of weeks. We'll be this in the book of Acts for the now uh, until mid-October uh, when we have our marriage conference. And uh, at that point, we'll kind of change gears. But we're going to kind of hit some high-level passages of Scripture. Chapter 1 last week, verse 8, chapter 2 this week. And we're going to zero in. Now, let me just give you the context of this. So as... The Spirit of God has been promised to the church. He says, you'll be my witnesses, all that. We went through that last week. Now we come to chapter 2, and we see it being delivered. We see the promise being fulfilled, that the Spirit of God has come upon the church. And all of a sudden, in Jerusalem, which is packed to the gill with people, by the way, it is the feast time. It is a celebration time. It is 50 days following the Passover And they're all gathering, Jews, people from all around the world, people as far away as Africa would travel, make their way up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. There's estimated archaeologists believe that during that time there were between 30 to 35,000 people that might live in the city of Jerusalem. But during this time, there would be upwards of an additional 100,000 people from all over again, the known world of that day. And it was that day that God strategically planned to send his spirit on the church and to send his spirit on on his followers. And Peter stands up this unlearned, uneducated, kind of rough around the edges kind of guy, stands up and speaks with such authority and power and speaks of the resurrection, which let me just say as a little caveat point here, that every message in the book of Acts contains a reference to the cross and or the resurrection. The resurrection is the central pivot point of all Christendom. If we don't have the resurrection, we don't have anything. We're just, we're just blowing hot air here. And every message therein, and of course, Peter's as well. And this amazing thing happens. These believers, these disciples receive the Holy Spirit, and they're able to speak in tongues that they did not have. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of heavenly language. These were known languages of the people, of the hundreds of thousands of people that were in that city at that time. They were there and they were hearing the message in their own language. What happened? What happened in that moment, in that message? What happened? What was delivered on that day? What was delivered on that day is God did something in that community. He started a church And I've said before, this is a life proposition. You want to bless a community? You want to bless a community more than anything else? Start a church. It's the only organization that is known to man that will bless a community, body, soul, and spirit. And you want to know what the very first act of the Holy Spirit when he came upon this earth, what he did? He started a church. On the very first day, the very first act, he started a church. That's important. Hang on to that throughout the rest of this series, because that will become the standard of operation. The Holy Spirit moves in, people become believers, behind becomes a church. And that church becomes the community that God is going to use to extend his kingdom to the very ends of the earth. So I come back to that trifecta, that the church is the community of God. 
that fits together, that helps complete the story that God is wanting to write into us. So take your Bibles and let's pick up at the end of the message. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this, And they heard this. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now I don't know when that will happen to you, but I pray it does happen to you. It may be today. I met somebody in the in the gallery just after our first gathering who came up to me in tears sharing about her experience here today and how it cut to her heart. It may be today. It may be six months from today. It may be in your home. It may be in this community. But I'm praying that God will make you uncomfortable one day. Really uncomfortable. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm actually being nice because I want you to be so uncomfortable that you're cut to the heart, that your soul is literally bleeding and that you need a supernatural healing. Now, notice what they did at this moment. And they said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Which is a very good question to ask when you're bleeding in your soul, when you've been cut to the heart. What are we to do? And what, what is his response? But he turns to them and he says, repent and be baptized. That first act is that coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ moment. Whenever I experience his grace, I become a child of God. It's that born again experience. And let me say this, before we even talk about being a part of the church, let me say this, you got to first be a part of Christ. And that's an important part. And the first thing you need to do is repent and get life lined up, straightened up, clear alignment, a clear alignment with Jesus Christ. And then he said, be baptized. We saw last week over 30 people give that declaration of their faith in Christ in baptism. This is all a process. But then what? Okay, now, okay, we got baptized believers. We got these new, we got these new people who have repented. Now go on to the next town. Is that what we're, then what? Then what is what I want to focus on today? Then what is where we're at today? Then what is where I want to make sure Grace Point is, and you are as well. And that is, are we the church? Because then what is God started a church. And he does this beautiful work in the rest of the verses there that, that from verse 42 on, we really begin to get a good look in of what a good first century church looks like. We worry about being a church for the 21st century. I want to be also a church of the first century. What does that church look like? Because I want to, I want to be as close to that as possible. When you come to this passage, you see the Spirit of God at work and in this community forming. And, and so let's just put some lenses on today and let's just kind of, kind of maybe look a little closer at where we are, where you are, where, where we're going as a church. And let's ask ourselves, are we there? Is that what we are? Is that what you are? Is that what you're a part of? Is that what you've given yourself to? Is that what you're becoming? Because I see there's five different task of the church. There are five different expressions in this passage of the church that we need to make sure we are, okay? We need to make sure we're this kind of community. One, jot it down, is we need to be a maturing community. And maturing will require a change, a transformation, if you will. 
Now, we really want this of you. Now, I want to be a church. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be a hard, abrasive, unkind, unloving church. But let me say this. We also want to be a real, straight, shooting, hard, charging, stretching, challenging church. We want you to walk out of here week after week thinking, wow, not there yet. Going to take a few steps closer. We want to challenge you, we want to call of you, we want to ask of you. Yeah, we want to help you, but a part of helping you is getting you where you need to be. Your kids are not going to want to go to school tomorrow morning. But you as a parent know what's best for them. And you will make sure that they get up and they get out the door and they get to school because you know what's best. Listen, there are going to be times we're going to ask of you things that you may not feel comfortable doing. But if we are the church and we're helping you to mature and to become then we're going to ask you to change. We'd like a church with velvet lace. We'd like a church with velvet against our skin. But there are some times that we have to be metal. Metal against metal. And in Proverbs, it says it like this, iron sharpens iron so people can improve each other. I hope that we are sometimes a little abrasive, a little hot, a little clanging in your heart and your soul and the way you're living your life. And we're... Hopefully through that, making you a little bit better, stronger. Let me say this to you like this. If you don't feel challenged week after week at Grace Point Church, I'm not just talking on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about in your body life group. I'm talking about on mission. I'm talking about if we're not asking and challenging you, please, you have the complete freedom to go somewhere else. I'm not being cold and indifferent. I'm just saying we better be challenging you to become more mature, to walk a little tired, to take on responsibility and not just be spoon-fed as you come in here. Notice what it said in verse 42. This is the response of the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, that wasn't they just came in and listened to the apostles' teaching. They literally took what was taught and they started living it. What a profound thought. I'm not just here for you to hear me talk. A part of what we go through this process and what we do in body life group and what we do in men's ministry, what we do in women's ministry and what we do in life when we live life on life is that we want to conform or or better word, transform our lives, see our lives transformed according to this truth. That will mean change. That will mean different. That will mean thinking different, believing different. George Barner, who I respect for well over 25 years, has been studying the American countryside and the Christian church in particular. He's been looking at the church and this is what he said about the church. He said only 9%, now this is a sad reality, that only 9% of Christians actually see the world through the lenses of this book, through a Christian worldview. Six of seven of them actually make moral, ethical decisions based on their gut instincts. Listen, all of our consciences are marred. We need something to shape us, to make us, to challenge us, to to die, to live, to, to do what is right and good and honorable and true, even if it requires change. It's more than just reading this book. It's letting this book read you. It's more than having a faith. It's sharing your faith. It's more than going to church. It's being the church. It's more than worshiping a Savior who died on a cross. It's living a life of death ourself. 
Think about it. Erwin McManus said it like this, only dead men can follow the God of the cross. How could we ever think that the Christian faith would be safe when the central metaphor is an instrument of death? So we got goals. Where are we going with this? What are our goals as a church? One of our goals is that we would raise up in, in this church, we'd raise up fully devoted followers of Christ. Fully devoted followers of Christ. If you want to be a part of an audience, there's a lot, there are lots of churches you can be a part of. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want to be a part of an audience. But if you're ready to be a part of an army, rise up. Rise up. Become a part of this army. Don't just sit here. Be a part. Be transformed. Allow your life to be changed. Don't play a game any longer. Number two. So it's not just maturity. It's also membership. Membership a part of a community. Now, again, some people don't like membership. They think it's all man-made membership. If you're talking about country club memberships, yeah, that's man-made. But even Romans chapter 12, verse 5 speaks of us being a part of a membership of a larger body, but we're all members tied together. You're a part of me. I'm a part of you. I depend on you. You depend on me. We are together in this. We don't have to go it alone. We can. If we want to be stupid, we can do that. But if you look through Scripture, you find Epaphroditus, he was a member of the Philippi church. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church of Antioch in Acts 13. Philemon was a church leader in Colossia. Timothy pastored the church at Ephesus. These were local congregations scattered throughout the land that they were a part of. If you look at verse 46, you see the, the formation and the beauty of this community being expressed. Verse 46, it says, And day to day attending the temple... Together breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. Now you see two places they met. They met in temples. They met in the temple, excuse me. In the temple in Jerusalem, that was where they met. That was where they gathered. There were 3,000 people saved in one day. You can't meet in a home. You can't meet in a civic center. So they went to the place, the only place they knew to worship. And they gathered there in their little corner, in their little place. And that's where they gathered to worship. They celebrated then. But also it says there that they met in houses. That's an important element. We're going to see that throughout Scripture, throughout Acts, that they're going to meet in synagogues. They're going to meet in houses. They're going to meet in the temple. They're going to meet in houses. There is a, there's a part of this that as we are part of community, you on this side of the room are going to have a hard time knowing people on this side of the room. Unless there's something intentional that brings you together. We have that and we call that body life groups. Let me say it to you, I said it in the beginning, all we can do as a church is create environments. We want to create environments where you can be challenged to maturity. We can create environments where you can be a part of a community, all right? Where you can be a member of a community. Where we create this environment is in body life groups. Now, what does this look like? When you start manifesting it out, you look at that one passage you notice some characteristics. I'm going to share these characteristics with you, and then I'm going to have uh, Jeff Wicker and Lori Bedeen come up here and share a little bit of their own experience in body life group. One, I want you to understand this, that there needs to be a natural fit, all right? A natural coming together. Notice that they met from day to day, all right? If you naturally are connected to people, you will be with them on a regular basis. 
day to day, week to week, whatever it is, you need to be with other people. I don't get with my family once a week and just check in on them. I don't wonder when my kids are not home where they're at. I want to know where they're at when they leave that location. I want to know where they went. That's just a part of a relationship that I'm in with them. Okay? It's a part of not just my obligation or my responsibilities, but it's just a good thing because I love them. When you're in community, you will come together regularly. They came together day to day. Also on mission. I noticed this, that they were together. In other translations, it says of one mind. There was not separate agendas. There was one agenda. They also laughed together. This is important. There was gladness in their midst. You need to enjoy who you're with. Enjoy one another. Then there needs to be an authentic togetherness with sincerity of heart in really generosity, connecting with one another is how this body expressed themselves together. Jeff, come on up here, bud. And Lori, come on up here. I want to ask you all a couple of questions because you all have had, y'all's two different groups, meet different times and all that kind of stuff. But you've, you've been pretty committed to this, this whole run at this and you understand environments and creating them. You're leaders of your groups and are you a leader, a leader of your group? You're just, you're just an attender and a, and a part of it. So tell me, what does it look like for you guys and what does it mean to be a part of a body life group? Well, for us, like you've been saying, we need more than just coming on Sunday morning. Not, I mean, as a church, but just for myself, just a Sunday morning once a week is not enough. Mm -hmm. So we love coming together with fellowship, with other believers to um, just meet together, talk together, and to know that if we are transparent, if we're vulnerable, if we're suffering, we're not going to be judged. We're not going to be condemned. We are going to be loved. We're going to be cared for, and we're going to be covered in prayer. And then to reciprocate that. And have you experienced that? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not paid to say this. We didn't coach <laughs> no. you in this uh, at, at all. That's, that's truly from your heart. What about you guys? Uh, on the same page, uh, Sunday morning worship and fellowship is great here. Uh, but during the week, as we go out into the world to help keep it at bay, uh, meeting together with, with other fellow worshipers, other fellow Christians, um, and helping hold each other accountable throughout that week helps keep us Christ-centered, uh, helps keep the world again at bay for us and it's just a, a good solid thing so give me an example so what does this look like on a practical day-to-day -day level uh, on a day-to-day -day basis um, holding each other accountable um, hey buddy I'm going to give you a call this afternoon I've got something that's on my heart uh, that I need to discuss with you it's, it's a good healthy thing uh, meeting together um, with our group to go do uh, local missions um, is also a good thing um, and it just helps keep us all strong and you've also had some, it's not all Bible study book work. All Bible study book work. Um, we meet together uh, at times to have barbecues. We do, you know, the men go on a separate trip and go do a hunting trip. Uh, poker's good. Yeah. Um, we get to we didn't rehearse things. this, by the way. We get to do fun things uh, other than just get together and stay in the Word. But, you know, the most important thing is staying in the Word. But we do, we do do fun things. You do fun. All right. So what about you guys? What's an example? Um. In our first body life group, we went camping, mm -hmm. but I think our favorite thing is just the fellowship mm -hmm. where we can get together outside of church and talk about Jesus and the mm -hmm. scripture and things that have meant so much to us and how we can show Christ mm -hmm. in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our community. And like he said, just being accountable and encouraging right. one another. Um, 
some of the ladies in my group and I will just send an empty text bubble. And that just means I'm praying for you. Mm. We don't oh. get in a conversation. We may mm. not even talk, mm. but just knowing that we're thinking of and praying for one another. Great. Thank you all for coming up here and sharing. Give them a, give them a round of applause. Now, when you, when you go out today, there's going to be an opportunity for you to connect with our Body Life Group leaders. It's kind of like speed dating here uh, for Body Life Group leaders today. And so you can go around the room out in the gallery area there and kind of get to know them. They all have name tags on. There's also a Body Life Group area there that has basically organized by dates. If you want to go check it by date or ca- catch up on personalities, whatever. It's, this is your day to connect with those and start that process of being a part of community. But here's our goal here in this. So jot this down. We want to help you connect. All we can do is create environments, but we're going to try to do that. Connect our church family together into meaningful faith building relationships. We're going to try to do that. you be a part of that process as we move forward. All right. Number three. So what we're doing as a church is trying to replicate what we see in Acts chapter two. That's the first church. It's the, pro, it's the prototype, if you will. Let's see if we can replicate that. And the third element is ministry through service. So maturity through transformation, membership through community. But now we want to talk about ministry through service. And this I love. I absolutely love. I love our church. We've always been about this, and it's no different. But when you see this church in the first, cha- in, in, in the first century, look at verse 44. It says, and they believed, were, and, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had any need. This is where we get our hands dirty. This is where we roll up our sleeves a little bit. This is where we get in people's lives and we make our greatest impact. This is when the community says, okay, you are blessing me, body, soul, and spirit. This is when the world takes a notice and they say, okay, the church is just isn't about this. They're actually about my life. And that's what I love about Grace Point. And we've had a motto from the beginning, and that is that every member's a minister and every ministry is meaningful. We're not going to tie you up, bog you down in meaningless board meetings, committee meetings, if it doesn't have a very clear, impactful life changing into it. Well, let me give you one example of this. We have this great ministry that's really started internally, and we as a pastoral team saw it. And we said, okay, God's at work here. Let's get in on what he's doing. And that's, we've had a lot of families in our church adopt or even foster children who are in families that are not in good families. And literally some of them are taken out of homes overnight, maybe a meth home or an abusive situation. And literally in a matter of minutes to hours, they're dropped into a foster family. And I love it that we have so many in our church that are seeing this as an opportunity to love on an orphan, to love on somebody who doesn't. And so Mosaic has been formed through this process. Mosaic is our taking broken pieces and making beautiful art in the lives of people in Northwest Arkansas. This is focused in Northwest Arkansas. 
And we have, again, just to kind of take it a little bit further, we're trying to put environments and connecting points for all of our members to be a part. And you heard us talk about it last week. Last week, we didn't have enough volunteers. We needed more volunteers because we had so many children signed up. We literally had to tell the people out there, no, we're not taking any more children. We don't have enough volunteers. We told you guys... And you guys responded by Wednesday, we had more volunteers than we had children. So we turned around and opened up the floodgates. And this weekend, we had a number of children that were with us. In fact, let me just kind of go back. In March, we had 37 children that we loved on, fed dinner to, entertained while the moms and dads went out and had a night on the town. Uh, In May, we did our second one. We had 55 children. Friday night, we had 88 children. This is a need that's reaching into our community. Now, let me just tell you, this is the best part of it all. Out of the 13 families who signed up, only one of them is from Grace Point Church. We truly are wanting to be a church in the community, a blessing in the community, body, soul, and spirit. We're going to challenge you to maturity. We're going to challenge you to be a part of a community in membership manner. I mean, this takes what you just heard here takes commitment and loyalty. All right. But we're also going to call you out and we're going to ask you to be a part of ministry. Number four, we're going to ask you to be a part of mission, the mission of God, not my mission, not your mission, the mission of God. And when you look at this early church, you can't escape it, that God was growing it. He was praising God and having favor with all the people in verse 47. It says, And the Lord added to their number day by day. We challenged you last week, and you got 52 more days to step up to the challenge. And I'd like to hear your story. So when it comes true in you and you take the challenge, then we want, we want to hear about it. But we challenged you last week over the next 52, well, last week it was 60 weeks, 60 days, We ask you over the next 52 days now to find someone, identify someone, pray over someone, and invite that someone to be a part of church here one Sunday. And just let's see what God does. person who's not in church, not involved anywhere else, maybe turned off by church. You invite them to be a part. We need to see ourselves as mission on mission right here, right here in Northwest Arkansas. This is where it starts, but it doesn't end here. And you heard last week's message, so I'm not going to spend much time here. But this is really where our goal is. Our goal is to live borderless lives on mission with God in a borderless world. We also challenged you last week over the next 12 months to consider going on a global adventure. We have 10 of them going out this year from our church. We have 80 positions on 10 trips going around the world. I'm leading one to South Africa next March. This will be our largest one we're ever going to have sent out. 22 volunteers on that one trip alone. Here's, here's what I want to say to you. That is less than 10% of the people that will be in this room today. If we can't get 10% of our people to think globally, to think about West Africa, to think about the sex trafficking of India and how we can go over and be a part of the solution. If we can't get people, we are not a church on mission. We've lost that element. I'm not, I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I'm going to challenge us. In fact, we have people who call us and write us week by week when we start announcing our trips saying, I want to go on a trip with your church. 
You know what I love to say to them? I'm sorry, you can't. All of our members have filled up all of our positions and now we're starting new trips to go around the world. I wish that we had so many people interested just in this service alone to say, I'm going to go around the world and make an impact for God that we would fill them up today. Stop by the Go Center and see me after the service. We'll get you lined up. I'll get you your passport application and everything. This is what Mother Teresa said. My blood and origin, I am Albanian. My citizenship is Indian. I am a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the whole world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. Do you belong? Do you see yourself in the kingdom of God business that you literally belong to the whole world? That's where he's calling us. Be borderless. Remove the barriers. Number five. These are the five major tasks of our church. Moving people to maturity. Moving people into membership and community. We're going to move this. The last one is we want magnification. We're going to do this through worship. Every week the band spends hours wanting to be a part of leading you. Again, all we can do is create environments. All we can do here on Sunday morning is create an environment that hopefully you fill that void with worship. And you bring your worship. You're not here watching worship, but you'll notice in verse 47 that they were praising God and finding favor with all the people. Our worship should be appealing to people far from Him. When the world looks at our church, when the little world looks at you, you, do they see that your faith and your love for Christ is so awesome and amazing that they want that? That's what it means to be the church. See, the reason we have to do missions, the reason that there is missions is because there isn't worship in all the parts of the world. We need to be the worshipers. This needs to be a catalytic moment for us each and every week where we come together as followers of Christ, a part of the church of Christ, as members and maturing and ministering and and doing mission together and magnifying the great God with everything, with everything that we are. But let me tell you this. Forget about the church. Forget about these five moves if you first don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. And right here, right now, you can ask Christ into your heart. Let me pray with you. And you can give your life to following Him and say, Jesus, I am a follower of yours from this day forward. I give my life to you. Lord Jesus, you see the room. You know the people. You know the people in the chairs. You know the people here who, Lord, are being cut to the heart right now. Lord, I pray that they will give their everything to you. I pray they will hold back nothing. I pray that they will receive your gift of eternal life. You tell us in your word to as many as received you, Jesus, you gave them the right to become children of God. They become a part of the family the household of faith, the community, the church. And then, Lord, help the church. Help the church to be the church. Lord, help us 
to give our everything to following you because you gave everything to following us, to, to saving us, to redeeming us, to chasing after us, to seeking us, finding us and giving us new life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, we bless you with everything right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?